Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. As always, I'm your host, Matt Heady, Chief Editor of PotStill.com, your independent Irish whiskey resource where we distill and analyze all the news and releases in the market today. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Irish Whiskey Magazine, the only magazine in the world dedicated to sharing the exciting news, lifestyle, and spirit of Irish whiskey. You can find out more at irishwhiskeymagazine.com. And the Tour Glass, a contemporary nosing and tasting glass, a symbol to unify Irish whiskey drinkers across the world. And you can find out more about this beautiful glass at tourglass.ie. Hello Whiskey Files and welcome to another episode of Pot Stilled Radio. I am delighted to be sitting here in the heart of the Liberties in Dublin with a special episode we're bringing to you from the Dublin Liberties Distillery. And today we're joined by two guests for the first time. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to introduce you uh, Daryl McNally, Director of Irish Whiskey for the Dublin Liberties Distillery, and also Jess Spearn, who's the Global Whiskey Master for the same distillery. So welcome gentlemen. No, great to be here. Yeah, great to be here, man. thanks. Um, I suppose for uh, the people out there that uh, don't really know about you guys, um, I suppose give me a rundown of kind of yourselves and each of your positions. I suppose Daryl will go with you first. Sure. Um, we'll yeah. Go for that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm director of Irish whiskey for Dublin Liberties Distillery. So we have uh, nice brands within our portfolio: the Dubliner, the Dublin Liberties, and of course the Dead Rabbit. Uh, so I suppose about three years ago. Um, my job was really to find a site in the city centre of Dublin, in Dublin 8, and build uh, an innovative and quality uh, commercial distillery. So we're almost there, we're about two, three months away from opening. So essentially I'm, I manage all aspects of the build, uh, the project, the whiskey production, the hiring of staff, so uh, jack of all trades at the minute. So uh, yeah, great, great job and uh, no two days are the same. <laughs> it sounds like quite the task. And uh, Jeff, do you have uh, such a rigorous work schedule as well? No, but I do tend to always have to follow Daryl, so following the Masters still is a pretty tough gig. But look, I mean, I was brought on 2016 to start creating a bit of ag- advocacy and awareness of our brand. So through the IBEC program, similar to yourself, uh, it's been an absolute roller coaster for, for the last two years. So moved back to Ireland um, about a month ago to take on the new role of the Global Ambassador gig and you know, really enjoying it. Beautiful to, to get away and be able to promote the whiskies around the world. So, um, tell us a little bit the Dublin Liberties uh, distillery itself. It's a new build, new market square. Obviously, you have some uh, big neighbours to contend with. Um, what, what is, I suppose, your story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Dublin 8 and the Liberties area is, is the heart of the epicentre of, of all the brewing and distilling back in the day. So we're just bringing back the tradition uh, of making whiskey in that area. So we're actually front out into Mill Street. Um, and there's so much activity and regeneration happening there uh, from hotels being built, from student accommodation, high-end student accommodation and hotels just in every <laughs> every, every corner. Uh, so I think it's going to be great that there's going to be almost another thousand people or thousand beds in this area all looking for somewhere to go and visit and uh, enjoy whiskey. So I think we're right in the middle in the epicentre of distillery in Dublin and essentially uh, in our project we want to make a commercial distillery that's going to make uh, pretty fine whiskey for the next uh, number of years, maybe next hundreds of years. So yeah, bringing the tradition back to Dublin is really the heart of what we want to produce. Yeah, absolutely. And if, uh, if anyone was under any illusions as to where we were right now, you can definitely hear around us. We're in a, 
in a, in a nice uh, bustling pub in the Liberties. So uh, as always, any dings, bangs or whistles do bear with us. Uh, we do try to bring it to you as live as we can. Um, so Jeff, you were saying to us earlier as, we're, uh, as you're bringing us through the distillery itself, that you're going to have uh, like an, uh, an opened public bar in what sounds like a pretty cool location. But as far as you're saying, a thousand beds, that could be an absolutely amazing ability to bring people into the distillery itself. Yeah, I think one of the things we want to do is create, again, multiple unique experiences and you look around the area and what's on offer and what's on show and being able to have a high quality bar that will be able to bring in people from the surrounding area is something that we're always keen on doing. We're pushing for this bar to not only be one of the best bars in any distillery but really one of the best cocktail bars in the city as well and make this a venue that people want to come to uh, that they can rent out and use themselves as well and you know you'll be able to look on to our three beautiful stills you'll be able to see the functioning distillery even if you don't want to be a part of the tour so if whiskey isn't your thing but you're really into the cocktail side of it you know there's something for everyone within that part of it as well yeah and it was funny it was really funny when our marketing team got got wind of what we were doing it you know there were such such things that's been out do we build a distillery within a bar or to build a bar within the distillery. So uh, considering the size of the distillery and the output of the distillery, it's definitely the distillery first and foremost. But without, <laughs> Seems important for yeah, Oh, it's very important, yeah. But uh, without giving too much away, we have really, really created something innovative, cool, uh, great uh, from a visitor perspective. And I think we're going to get uh, a lot of fans along the way. And then when they taste the whiskey at the end of it, that's, that's just icing in the cake. And to be able to sit in our bar, in Mill Street, in the distillery, overlooking the stills as they're making the next batch of whiskey. I think there's something uh, pretty amazing about that. And as well as that, we have a borehole of for water as well. So essentially the water that we made the whiskey from is essentially a borehole within the site, which goes down about 30 metres below uh, the surface here in Dublin into the, 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 the many years old water uh, to recreate the whiskey. So. I always say the more water we have, the more whiskey we have, so all good. <laughs> well, that's, I suppose, a, a nice uh, segue. Um, so you've got this water, um, I think we were talking about earlier, good hard water, good stout-making water <laughs> uh, for any of the other famous neighbours in the area. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, the actual distillery itself and what kind of the plans are, you know? Yeah, well, uh, the distillery, we have three stills, a 10,000-litre wash still and two 6,000-litres low wines and spirits. Stills, uh, we hope to be very innovative. We also like the tradition of you know, traditional Irish whiskey. Uh, so across the brands of Dublin, there might be more sort of traditional Irish whiskey. With the Dublin Liberties, we might be a little bit more innovative, if you like, uh, bringing sort of the stories of the Liberties area, the stories of the people, uh, etc., to, to, to life. And I think it's all about giving, giving it back to the people of the Liberties area. You know, for, for years, it's, you know, it's, it hasn't got the, you know, the TLC that it deserves, whereas now, with the re regeneration and all these brilliant distilleries and breweries all within a walking distance, I think it's going to be magic for the next year or two in the Dublin area. So what does a traditional Dubliner look like? In your traditional eyes? Dubliner, yeah, just authentic Irish style. So uh, double, triple, triple distilled malt, um, quite a bit of grain, so a nice blend from sort of volume perspective. But sticking to the traditional age-old styles of making making whiskey. You know, considering only was three distilleries in Ireland essentially. Um, you know, me being coming from Bush Mills, very much a single malt man. Uh, but at the same, we have some really good grain distilleries where we'll source our grain liquid and uh, in the number of years bring them together in the right ratios to, 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 to cater for that uh, taste profile, profile that's out there. Um, I think it's important now there's the sort of younger generation coming through likes a lighter whiskey so uh, we can create something for them and uh, they become fans for the rest of their days hopefully. 
Fair enough. And then the Dublin Liberties is the kind of more the innovation side of the brands. Dublin Liberties more innovation. We'll be going sort of more down. We we touched earlier on you know perhaps crystal malt or you know a wee bit more spiciness. Something you know where if, if somebody was to lift taste profile to a new level. Um, and with all those American drinkers, uh, American whiskey drinkers out there, I think the Dead Rabbit has definitely hit a, a positive note with them. So yeah, let's let's mix and match it, and hopefully within our portfolio we have something there for everybody. Yeah, I like I like that idea though. Like there's 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 a, a good merit to especially like the old school distillers in Ireland used to have their Ireland editions and then their rest of world editions. So it's nice to see you can sell different whiskeys to different markets, uh, appeal to different tastes. Um, that's very good. And I suppose um, Jeff, I suppose if I jump over to you, um, yeah. uh, Daryl touched on the Dead Rabbit whiskey, which uh, is interesting. It had the namesake of one of the world's most famous bars. Want to deep dive us into a little bit of how that collaboration came to be or what that whiskey's like? Well, look, there's a, a lot of it comes really from Daryl, I suppose. And he sat down with Jack McGarry and Sean Muldoon many years ago and, and kind of thought up this plan to create what was what is now the Dead Rabbit Irish whiskey. Uh, I was brought on into the project from the early early days within that, so it's kind of been really cool to be a part of that, trying the various liquids. When we had the guys over back maybe about 18 months ago, I think we tried different cast finishes, different percentages, and to settle on that is super, but um, more so really, the really unique thing about the, the whiskey itself is it's obviously celebrating the reincarnation of the Dead Rabbit gang through the bar, but it allowed us to delve into the real history of that Irish-Americanism. I think it's replicated through the sort of liquid portfolio, liquid profile rather of the of the whiskey so that again matured in the bourbon cast really finished in that virgin oak those half size cast really brings out an added element of maturation and I think you get that hybrid American style it's really appealing to both uh, and we then able to learn a lot more about like the ancestry and the etymology of the dead rabbits and the gangs and where it came from as an Irish or an Americanized version of Dave Rabad which didn't mean dead rabbits and to my knowledge they didn't carry around you know dead rabbits on sticks and pikes and throw them down before battle uh, and so to learn a little bit more about that I feel has been, been a really interesting part and I think that's the bit that bartenders and consumers are really buying into as well as of course you know having two of the top people in the industry Jack and Sean co-consulting on the development of this liquid so uh, I think that's the, the overall thing that we're yeah, and just just to add as well that the earth site in Mill Street used to be a tannery yeah. So there's a lot of dead rabbits there too, like so. Uh, I think it's fate. Yeah. <laughs> Serendipity incarnate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose um, you're in the middle of the um, the distillery build at the moment. The, the stills are in. A lot of the tanks are in. Um, you've got, an, I suppose, an ancient part to the to the building that was the tannery, amongst many other things, and a new side to it. Um, so what what uh, what surprises have come up along the way? Is there? Yeah, we found the tannery, so that brought the archaeologists uh, on site, which which meant they had to spend a little bit of extra time with us. But you can't uh, you sort of plan for those with you know a, a Dublin city and the history surrounding you know such a city. So the, the the build has went relatively well. We had a few days where it was maybe a little bit windy to lift in stills, and we really didn't want to be uh, banging copper off uh, newly newly re rebuilt walls. Uh, so yeah, or, we had a few. The roof of neighbors. Exactly, the roof of the neighbours. We didn't want to annoy the neighbours too much. It's a really, I think probably the biggest uh, 
thing for us is that because it is in the city centre, because it is in the little back streets of the Liberties area, uh, they're much smaller streets and essentially our building is enclosed within other buildings. So everything had to either be lifted over from Newmarket Square or in through two small door openings. It did make the project you know, that bit more stressful from time, time to time, but we had a, we have a good, good crew there and uh, as I say, another couple of months uh, will be very close to cutting the red ribbon so uh, looking forward to it all the hard work has been worthwhile um, probably took us about 14 15 months to build it um, so yeah looking forward now to getting loads of people to come in and be becoming part of the family the Dublin Liberties family so looking forward to it and what's uh, what's the team look like in uh, the new distillery yeah the team the team's a mix of uh, people within the business uh, plus we've hired then sort of new people maybe just coming straight out of uh, university with a brewing or a distilling background um, but most of the core team have come from, you know, Bushmills, Irish distillers, uh, or uh, you know, Proximo, etc. So we have a good, well-seasoned team. Uh, Jeff, we brought up through the ranks from from day one, so he sort of hit the road running. So he had a pretty uh, crazy 18 months across in London, because uh, anybody working for quintessential brands, you know, it is a very unique and and, and great uh, learning experience. So uh, yeah. yeah, I test, think you can you test, can you testify can test. to that, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful thing when you're part of a project this young and when you're like the first ambassador they've had uh, is that you, you, you have a lot to do yourself but you learn exceptionally quickly and you're given an immense amount of responsibility and very much the sink or swim which thankfully I've sort of thrived in I've really enjoyed uh, so you swam pretty well I swam yeah I swam across the channel home <laughs> so I across the Irish Sea uh, with all my kit back but yeah it's been one of those scenarios whereby you are surrounded by many people who have exceptional influence in the industry and quintessential brands do recruit exceptionally well and you have this huge think tank of people from all including because we have an English gin portfolio an Irish cream liqueur portfolio within quintessential brands uh, and sorry a French cognac plant as well so we do have a lot of minds coming in with different uh, ideas and different thought processes on, on all the different marketing packs and flavor profiles that we can actually introduce so um, when you can take little nuggets from everyone especially when you're new into that sort of business world of, of Irish whiskey uh, you can you can really learn a lot very quickly and it's uh, very been enjoyable so far that must be uh, quite fun to be a part of a big team and it sounds it sounds like it's going to be uh quite the experienced team going forward. Oh, will, will you be distilling yourself or will you be taking yeah, over? Yeah, well, I, I, I plan to be here a number of days a week. Uh, so what, what we'll have is we have a fairly automated system. So there'll be like a master distiller settings, which uh, it's fairly automated that, you know, you can you can keep the parameters uh, and the quality is in the pudding, like, you know, the quality of the liquid at the end of it. Uh, I always say being a master distiller, it's about recreating rather than trying to change you know, ways of working. Uh, for example, a new operations manager would go on to his job and he would make changes immediately to put his own stamp on it. Uh, to me, you know, when you're an operations manager with a distilling hat on, um, it's all about creating your character of your liquid, your spirit that you want to produce, mm. and then just making that over and over and over and over again. So consistency. Consistency is key. Yeah. And with the design and automation that we put in, and you know the expense we put in at the at the right areas, I know that we can get the quality of the the, the spirit that we need uh, uh, time and time again. Oh, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty good. All right, <laughs> and it's good. I mean, like one of one of my uh, key pillars of of the industry as well. Um, you know, consistency is key, innovation is key, but you know, you've got you've got such a, already your avenues for that as well. Um, I suppose talk to me about your stills. So you've got um, your stills came from yeah, our stills came from Germany. Mm -hmm. 
so there's a 10,000 litre wash still and a 6,000 litre low wine, a 6,000 litre spirit. Um, we will then we will be doing triple distillation and double distillation. Um, we'll be experimenting with maybe different proportions of malt and other malts together in different different versions. So we've we've planned it and designed it in such a way that we can be as innovative as we possibly need uh, for this year, next year, ten years, twenty years, whatever way the whiskey and the Irish whiskey uh, scene changes or evolves uh, we've left ourselves open open to do that I suppose 20 years working at Bushmills distillery you know I've seen uh, I've seen just the renaissance of Irish whiskey you know in the last four or five years um, I, I, I have a vision of where Irish whiskey's going mm -hmm. I have a feeling of a really good feeling about what we're going to do globally moving forward uh, so I think we keep our design of our distillery and stills in such a way that we can mix and match uh, for different liquids in the future um, and as I say, going back to, we'll be producing Dubliner there, which would be like authentic Irish. We'll also be producing the Dublin Liberty, so we'll only have a little bit of innovation, something most slightly different, all within, of course, the technical file and the geographical indication, of course. Um, and then we have the Dead Rabbit as well, so you know we have a lot going on there and lo lots of different types of, of whiskies that we want to create. And of course we have a few others that we have up our sleeve which, which will be coming <laughs> yeah, out in the yeah. not too distant future, but a wink and mums, and mums yeah. in the word and have one. or yeah. die, yeah. it's the rule in Irish whiskey these days. Um, so I suppose t talk to me. What, how did the um, ten six six ratio come along for the still sizes? I mean, having having an equal uh, low wines and spirits still is a, a somewhat unusual uh, setup. Yeah. Well, what what we did is we looked at the size of the tanks. The site is quite small, so again, we wanted to see uh, you know from a double distillation point of view, but we also wanted to maximize the size of the stills. Now you don't have to fill the six thousand liter spirit still, but if you're doing double distillation, you'll, you'll essentially have uh, a low wine and a spirit which can double up as a low wine as well. So when we did our calculations across different variants that we want to do in the next coming years, we thought for all the difference of going from say a 3 or a 4,000 litre spirit still to a 6,000 litre still, and we can, the fact that we can get it in there, let's go for that one a little bit bigger just to keep keep, keep the movement. So it's good, it was an efficient use of space as well. Efficient use of sp space, looking at an energy perspective as well. Uh, plus then sort of innovation for the, for the future. As a heat exchange, um, reboilers re underneath the tanks, that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. All very efficient. Uh, as I say, I worked for Diageo for uh, seven or eight years, not even more, what am I talking about? Uh, worked for Irish distillers for seven years and then for Diageo further ten years, so you're taught very, very uh, clearly on you know energy efficiency and you know, being green. So the distillery has been built with that uh, in mind uh, in every aspect of it. So clearly, time flies and you're having fun. If you oh, can't unbelievable! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I suppose um, you want to give us a little background, just where you came from in the in the sure. Diageo and Bush yeah, yeah. Well, going right back to the day I was born, I was brought straight from the hospital <laughs> out out to the family bar. So. Um, and my dad said I could pour the perfect pint of Guinness by the time I was two. I knew the differentiation between you know the various spirits at a, at a very young age. So it was no shock to him when I left university and said I was starting at Bushmills Distillery working for Perna Ricard. So various movements up and down to Dublin. So I had to work sort of across the Irish Distillers Group uh, down in Dublin for probably two of the seven years working on uh, anything from supply chain to uh, a SAP computer system, which is sort of leading edge at the time. Uh, then I got promotion to Bush Mills to sort of manage the warehousing and vatting side of things, which was 
all the blending of whiskies, etc. And then over the next number of years, took over the distillery aspect as well. So it was over about 34 people, which incorporated uh, malt intake, uh, mashing, still house, uh, fermentation, obviously, uh, filling, disgorging, warehousing, fatting and blending, lab and cooperage. So, so definitely a new, new layer in the oh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was good, but as I say, 34 people at, at Bush Mills of all different uh, ages and experience and personalities, you know, it was a great, great learning curve. And then in uh, 2015, um, with the renaissance of Irish whiskey, I wanted to go out and you know, build my own distillery and start and create my own liquids, which create a wee bit of history. So it was always a, an ambition to do that. So that's, that's what I've done the last three years. And we're nearly getting to the end of a chapter with the completion yeah. of this distillery. So. Yeah. And I mean, as, as everyone can tell by your accent, you're Liberty's born and bred. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just spent weekends up in uh, County yeah. Derry. <laughs> My dad's Liberty, so I get that. So I'm okay. Yeah, like, yeah. As long enough of us are, are Liberty's based, we're, we're sorted. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, the home being here. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I think especially the ability to uh, walk into a distillery and, and be not even, you know, I suppose that's one of the things that... Uh, and, irks me slightly is you want to hang out in a distillery you want to feel a, especially in a place like this you want to feel pride of place ownership um, you know we were down in, in Dingle recently and, and one of the things they were saying down there was everyone feels a part owner of it and to be able to sit in you know your future bar and look over the stills I mean like and, and not have to you know recommit to the whole tour to get the free pint of Guinness at the top of the building yeah. um, I think that's going to be a very cool ownership experience to have that you know uh, interactability. Well, it's been about giving back to, to the local community since since the get go, and I think part of even you know from the cafe on the first floor selling local produce all the way up to the bar, it's about giving back as much as possible and look, getting people in. You know, we want them to be proud of us, and they're not going to be able to do that if they don't understand what we're trying to give them. And I think just that's an easy way of just encouraging people to, to, to be come into a building that they might necessarily know uh, what we're all about. So. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know that's a testament as well. Like we would have you know, been lifting a lot of tanks and all, and causing a bit of noise over the last number of months. And you would have tried to you know apologise to people and you were sorry about this, but we're nearly finished. And you know everybody in the area was really got behind the project and you know really really happy to see you guys doing what you're doing. So it sort of makes it all worthwhile as well when you when you have that sort of support. Yeah. And I think that the Liberties people are like that. You know, supporting their own and there's a bit of pride and passion. You know, very very much like all Dublin people. But the liberties are sort of, you know, a, a group within yeah. a group. So uh, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great. And uh, what's it like uh, living next door to neighbours, rivals, co- collaborators, friends? Uh, yeah, I, I, I see, I see that as being healthy. You know, come back to the Dublin Liberties. It was the epicenter of, you know, multiple distilleries and breweries back in the day. So you know, the Irish whiskey category is going from strength to strength. So whether it's uh, neighbours two doors down, or whether it's you know Pierce Lions across yeah. the way, or the Guinness Storehouse, or yourself up at Bowen, you know, that's all driving the Irish whiskey category, driving sales of, you know, an export out of Ireland, something that we're very, very good at. So I think one complements the other and, you know, together, if we can embrace it together and drive it forward through the Irish Whiskey Association, uh, I think that's great, great for everybody. I was on a little undercover operation in the in the Teeling Distillery recently and I was happy to hear that they were very complimentary of us and, you know, they're spurring us on, we're spurring them on, like, Ultimately, the quality will come to the top, and if we get people drinking Irish whiskey that's of good quality, they're going to move and interchange amongst that. Uh, and so, as long as we just, like, continue to innovate and be good, and um, you know, create something that's a little bit different, people want to come to and try, then that's great. And you know, 
innovation from teething in, in recent times, innovation from everyone else, yourselves included, it's just going to make it a lot more accessible to people who are coming into the Irish whiskey world because that's where the numbers are coming from. It's a lot of new entries and spread into Europe and, and things like that and, and that's how we're going to get more people into the, into the world of it. Fair enough. And I suppose um, biting onto that note a little bit more, I suppose perhaps Jeff, from the, your marketing end of it, Yeah. Um, what, what do you see as the kind of uh, important trends or markets going forward? I know you said your bar is going to be very cocktail oriented but obviously your portfolio does a lot of different things. Yeah. Where where do you see? I know the U.S. is obviously a huge market. If we exclude the U.S., yeah, where do where do you see Irish whiskey really hopping off? Even just for you guys, if not for for the rest. I think of you know we. I think Germany is a huge one. I am. That's you know clear to see. You can look at lots of different data and see see that. But uh, there's a lot more of a community coming through in that real Eastern sort of Central European block. And I know we're partnered with that uh, with Stock Spirits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who you know who have contributed to the to the distillery and have got involved from an early early times in that. And you know they've seen trends into people moving away from clear spirits just like we have all a couple of years ago. So you know the one thing about trends is that they're constant. They just move from situate from area to area. So I think. Like what Daryl mentioned is creating whiskies that appeal to absolutely everybody. And so people can come in and try and, you know, we're all about liquid on lips at the Dublin Libraries Distillery. So people can try something or try all of the portfolio and they can then pick and choose which one they prefer. Um, we're lucky we've got some great distributors around, around Europe. You know, we've got some great distributors around the US. Uh, Berlin Bar Convention's a big one. We're looking forward to going out there. Uh, I know you're doing a couple of shows around Europe as well. So you know it's, it's important, it's impactful. These people don't necessarily know a whole lot about Irish whiskey, so um, you know we can be almost like the the missionaries of Irish whiskey going out, like you know, you know, back in the old days, and be the first people to saints and scholars, saints and scholars, yeah. you know, like distillers the and brewers, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Distillers well, and like brewers. the key the key market is North America as yeah. well, but Russia Russia's huge. Russia is huge. Uh, we we have a really good distributor in Russia, really really doing some amazing work out there. Uh, Czech Republic, Czech Republic, Poland, out to Prague next week. Now yeah, to talk with yeah. the guys and hopefully get back out to Russia and stuff. And Daryl was out in the Southern Hemisphere taking yeah. in the sunshine. Australia now is another really good good market. Japan, so many expats, yeah. so many. True, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the Irish biggest exporters themselves, rather than whiskey. Forget that jazz. People love to drink the home home product. So yeah, absolutely. Do you see how many people are buying Kerrygold across the world? Yes. Um, Although they say Australian whiskey is the next big thing. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's been tipped. I mean, I I I've been seeing. You know, it's funny when you look at even um, uh, Tasmania. Tasmania yeah, is Tasmania. basically Ireland on the other side of the world. It's yeah. the exact same climate. Um, yeah. But I mean, I fear if nothing else. Uh, I suppose the prices at the moment coming out of Tasmania, you know, or Australia in general, it seems that everything is north of 150 Aussie dollars. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that'll hinder the growth a little bit, but yeah. interesting, interesting developments. And I mean, you know, Japanese whiskey did its boom and it's, and now mm. it's, you know, holding in there with its lack of stocks. And I suppose we're, we're going to see a, a kind of a, a, a a, 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 a similar as, aspect coming through in Irish whiskey as well that we're so popular so many players in the market that we're going to see a bit of a shortage now as well I think one of the things that we've always spoken about with the liberties is you know always aged always quality I think we're going to step away from this non-age statement and we run a kind of commit to consumers yeah, on the liberties on the liberty side of things yeah. that's what we're going to continue doing like luckily Daryl's tends to know every single person from wood to liquid to everything so we have been able to acquire some choice stuff uh, while we're laying down our own our own liquid mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I suppose uh, one of the questions I, I want to ask you guys is obviously coming from two different sides of the same company, but two different sides of the industry. Um, one of the things, obviously, Irish whiskey is growing, fastest category growing in the world in spirits at the moment, and has been for quite a while. Um, you know, some commentators out there are saying bubble or not. What What do we think yourselves? I have my own opinion, but that's yeah. obviously yeah. not what I want to get dive into. <laughs> my, my, my opinion on it is that you know the early 1900s, before Prohibition, First World War, etc., Irish whiskey was doing 14 million. Uh, 2017 there, what was the numbers? 9.5, something like that. Yeah. So we're not even back to where we were in the early 1900s. So double the population you know, of so, the world globally. So. Yeah, and I've I've been quoted before saying that. Do I think 40 distilleries in Ireland will all survive? I don't think they'll all survive because it's all about route to market. Uh, I do think, however, you know, more than half of those will survive. Maybe around half. Um, I think Ireland is well equipped, you know, to go into you know, 15, 20, 25 million cases. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we're in a we're in a good we're in a good story for the next sort of ten years. After that, let's let's see see what's out there. As we all know, there's so many trends between tequila, rum, you know, gin, you know. So yeah, the new thing now in the US, the cannabis beers yeah. and all this sort of yeah, stuff. So yeah. people moving away from alcohol. So you know, what you can't do is predict, but you can make fair fair assessments, educated guesses on what you think is going to happen. But yeah, echo echo what Daryl said. Yeah. Really, I think I think it'll be all good. I think we'll. You know, the Irish Whiskey Association has said by you know by 2020 hitting that 12 million mark, by 2030 hitting that 24 million mark. I think that's all very doable. After that, let's, let's see what the next three to five years brings, and yeah. we'll meet again here at the same spot. Yeah, in, absolutely. Uh, 2023, yeah, no, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll be in the distillery. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be, do it in the distillery we'll next time. I mean, we're only about 500 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I suppose then, what do you think uh, yourselves looking at the industry? And I and I and I. Hope to pick both your brains this time, now, and not to not okay. to have to put you on the spot for, okay, for ducking and diving out of that question. <laughs> what uh, what do you think would be kind of a, a threat that you guys would see to the Irish whiskey category um, the, going forward? Because obviously you're coming from, and I like the kind of we're juxtaposition between the two. You guys coming from very different ends of the same company. What would what would you see as a as a threat coming to the the market? Are we overpricing ourselves, or is tequila becoming too big? Is uh, are cigars the next big thing in the world? Well, don't make me edit out look, too much. No, 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 I won't. Don't, don't. <laughs> no, it's just the next big thing is the next big thing. But says who? And these trends have to originate from somewhere. I think that what will happen and where things will get crossed and where Irish whiskey will start to fall down is if that we start to be disingenuous to our consumers. We start to release poor quality products. Um, you know, you're only as strong as, as your, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and that Irish whiskey as a whole wants to be strong. Then we need to be promoting quality first, and like having quality will create awareness, and the awareness will create demand, and the demand will create quality in theory. And like what we do see now is that even when you look at trends and stuff like this, is that premium whiskies are the ones that are moving into, you know, people aren't going for the standard whiskies; they're moving into slightly willing to pay more. I always say that we live in was the most gastro-conscious in time in, in, in history. People are applying that same gastro consciousness to their alcohol and to what they consume, and I feel as though as long as they continue to bed into like where quality spirits are, then you know I don't I strongly believe that Irish whiskey will strive in that. You know we've all Ireland's really well known for its food all around the world, and if we can echo that through about whiskey, I think we won't have an issue at all. And it'll be sweet sailings to 20 million cases or whatever it may be in the coming years. And I, I think just to add to that, that having been in the business for 20 years, you know, you were talking about stocks there, Japanese stocks. Um, you know, in Ireland, 
you know, with the rejuvenation and renaissance of whiskey, it can only be dictated by the stocks that are there. So, you know, if you have the stocks, you will sell them. And, you know, everybody likes, and I always say there's what, six million people in Ireland, 60 million worldwide who have cousins and who want to be Irish and all the visitors that we get to Dublin, etc. So I think if, if we have the quality, which we will have, um, I want to add that we taught everybody else how to make whiskey, so therefore we have the provenance. Uh, I think we can only go from strength to strength. And as for the next big thing, I don't think Irish whiskey has hit where it's going to hit yet. So it's very much just on the incline of its sort of life cycle, if you like. Uh, but again, just getting back to a rightful place at 14 million, I think a rightful place Comparing it to Scotch at 95 million, I think Irish should be in around that 40, 45 million. You know, as a as a category, a global category, and to maintain that, we have to start producing and laying down more stocks. I think the next number of years is going to be very rosy for for everybody in the business. Yeah, and you see a, you see a lot of innovation coming down the line. You think? I think there'll be innovation. Yeah, I think there there, there has to be innovation with with Irish whiskey. It's it's a lot lighter than Scotch, so you need to you know you need to have quality barrels. And my my mantra is yeah, create the spirit. Spirit's only part of it. Only adds to twenty five percent of the flavor profile. Good quality casks and repeatability and consistency will be key to driving your brand forward. Actually, one of the one of the things that I'm really enjoying uh, about sitting across from you here now is um, you're the first person to say to me. Um, about the the blended style of Irish whiskey being the traditional style or the the, the, the style that it is and, and very much true you know 95% of the world's whiskies are blended uh, and it is the dominant right, don't quote me on that figure it's something off the top of my head but yeah, yeah, somewhere amongst the majority mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting because usually people sit down and they say pot still all the way has to be pot still so on and so forth and it's interesting to hear you know uh, uh, from a malt man a self-proclaimed malt man that it's it's blend, blend forward, yeah. um, and I mean it's it's a, it's a, I mean especially from a business point of view, it's definitely a good mantra. To have, but it's yeah. nice to have a different. Well, I think if you look at your history, like uh, you know Igneous Coffee designed the, you know, the coffee distillation of mid 1800s uh, to do with the tax laws and malted barley, but authentic traditional Irish malted 100% malted barley was the way they did it back in the day. Uh, we happen to teach then. If you look at sort of the proximity to Bush Mills, who's allegedly the oldest and over into Scotland. It's only like, as the crow flies from my door to, to Eilie, something like 24 miles. Yeah. You know, so it didn't take very long for somebody in a boat to go over there and to get the sort of malt style from, from, from the Irish back in the day. Um, pot still would have, you know, would have came about being able to mix cereals because there was such a tax on the malted barley that you would have used non-malted barley. So the pot still is a, a spin-off of conditions in that particular time or that segment of history uh, but you know if you go back to the traditional historic way of making Irish whiskey you're going right back to being you know, single malt 100% malted barley and then there's strains have come out of it so essentially pot still was an innovation from uh, you know, back in the day when you, know, you had to use unmalted barley as well from you know, oats, maize etc to you know to make up your mash bill uh, not taking away anything from pot still but uh, you know, I think it needs it all. You know, you need the, you need the pot still, you need the single malt, you need the the continuous grain distillation, and together, using good good quality casks and different vari- uh, varieties of casks, create a nice liquid of different ages. And yeah, Irish Irish whiskey's on the the map again at long last. Exactly, and it's yeah. nice as well that we have a differentiation 
between our category and other categories that we can do that little you know we have that extra third category that yeah. makes us that bit different to scotch or other other categories out there and like i think jameson is even you know a category within irish whiskey do you know do you know what i mean it's i mean i mean at the moment they're 87 yeah, percent of irish which whiskey, which so. is great yeah. like you know it's uh, and you know they're leading the way for us and having worked for perna ricard and jameson you know that's phenomenal and great. Uh, you know, and I think I think there's now room and other market share as the whole category grows for for the rest of us out there. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as well, uh, Pernod are very generous with their knowledge as well. I know oh, they're yeah, helping yeah. out a lot of distilleries across the country, which is uh, through the Irish Whiskey Association. Um, so that's a that's a great thing to see as well. Obviously, the forerunners in the industry. And I mean, like you know, it's it's hard to find an unhappy Pernod employee as well. So, uh, <laughs> so um, I mean, that's that's great. That especially in an industry where we're we're refledgling, um, to have the big boys drive forward a lot of a lot did of help I, as did well. Did I read this on your site? Was it that we're one of the only industries that are actually going back a hundred years to look up old recipes rather yeah, exactly. than to innovate you know, to innovate is to do exactly to what we did a hundred years ago. Yeah, um, I love that line. I actually used it recently, so I'm plagiarizing <laughs> you, but I hope you don't mind. That's okay. In a good yeah. way, I'm spreading the word. And I can say there's lots lots of the big drinks companies worldwide as well. You know, a lot of them now have already dipped their toe into Irish whiskey. So again that might help answer your question, you know, do the strategists uh, believe that you know this is a sort of bubble ready to burst mm. not when the big guys are coming in and you know the power of their marketing and route to market you know that's gonna that's gonna push yeah. it into all corners of the world which which is great so I think we're even going to go further than we were in the early 1900s because in the early 1900s your you know your route to far reaching lands was was that bit less than what it would be now so As the British Empire only went so far yeah, really yeah you know? yeah yeah but there's I mean there's you know liberties we're talking with three distilleries now the biggest of which is still yet to come, perhaps. So you know, there's, there's still a lot, lot of whiskey to be, to be made, and even more to be drank, hopefully, amongst that. So, and I suppose then, just on the the refledgling aspect, um, Jeff, yourself, and myself, we know each other. For people who don't know, we we started off and kind of in the same class, literally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, fledgling days with Ibeck, um, and. I suppose it's now an interesting because, um, in in a way, you know, there's 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 two ends to the, the industry in an interesting way. There's there's those who are experienced and it's being you know personified by Daryl sitting here, uh, you know, proper experienced member of the industry, and Jeff and I mean this in no disrespect, a, a new member of the industry, very much in the same way. Or I think we're the same age. No offense. Um, but it's a refreshing industry has. Uh, so many jobs and openings for people in you know much much younger straight out of college which is unusual in such industries as well yeah. um like do you think even yourself being in this position that like you know there's a lot of people our age holding positions that in say any other industry maybe brewing or i mean maybe not brewing but other you know maybe it or pharmaceuticals or you know gas and oil you wouldn't get that opportunity due to the fact that it's a very developed industry across the world yeah, look, I think there's a, such an amount of integration and one thing I've always tried to do and I'm sure you've tried to do the same is you spend as much time with the people who know as much as humanly possible and you take as, as much as you can from them. Like I try and I started off spend as much time with Daryl and, and beyond Daryl, everyone in the wider circles. We've got an amazing team in, in the Dublin Liberties uh, and we, you know, you get to hear not only the whiskey but it's the old stories and it's, it's, it's an understanding of, of all the different tastings and I go to a lot of competitor tastings and events for the very same reason. I want to have 
the broadest possible knowledge of all Irish whiskey and everything like that. And I think it's great that the IBEC program is one of those things that facilitates people into entering this amazing industry, and I mean that absolutely amazing industry. But you look at the newest and the newest ITs and universities around Ireland are also incorporating brewing and distilling classes. So you know, um, I think it could be a case whereby you know Dublin has a chef crisis. Maybe we'll have a distilling and brewing crisis someday. We need to get more and more people into the trade, and and, and that will be something that'd be interesting then. Well, I think the most sought-after job in the industry, you know, nobody can find distillers these exactly. days. So that crisis yeah. might have arrived yeah, yeah. already. Maybe we're already there. <laughs> Only was three of us. Uh, I think three in the island of Ireland up until a number of years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good a good career to go into. It's it's a fun career. Uh, as I say, you, every day you get up, you do something different. From a master distiller point of view, it could be dealing with people, uh, recipes, uh, process, a number of things, budgets. It's a master so first and so a distiller yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah. So. Will that will this role be more consumer focused or will it be more the kind of a bit of both. Operations, yeah. A bit of both. Uh, once we the operation up and running, I'll have a, an ops manager on site. Um, so they'll look after the day to day. I'll do quite a bit of traveling in market, uh, but at the same time, keep you know, keep an eye on, on things uh, on the site on a sort of day to day operational point of view. Uh, and then thinking what our next move is maybe another bigger distillery somewhere else, or maybe branching into other uh, categories. Rum. Dublin Liberties Brewery sometimes. Yeah, yeah, American Whiskey. <laughs> Don't God, rule God anything knows. out with quintessential yeah. brands yeah. and Dublin Liberties. Yeah. Yeah. Quintessential brands has got a very entrepreneurial uh, style about it, so um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be on to something else as well, but still keeping an eye obviously on... Maybe we'll start on, the tequila or, or cigar or whatever. Yeah. Next big tequila cigars. We could be, yeah, yeah, we could be leading the forefront of that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, you know, as, as consumer palettes develop, Perhaps, perhaps there is a, a, a reckoning for as long as you don't have the cigar uh, place within the distillery, that just no. wouldn't be good from a health and safety <laughs> point of view. The yeah. Atex zone yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. might be violated a little bit then. Um, so I suppose uh, as we'll finish up now, guys, um, if there's if there's one thing, and I'm going to ask you guys separate questions. Okay. So, Darren, if there was one thing, and let me finish the question for both of you before we go into it. If there's one thing that you could share with people about the distillery whether it's the makeup the team the whatever it is that won't be immediately obvious when people walk in what is it but hold that thought for one second because jeff i'm going to ask you one question as well because if there's one thing about the brands you represent obviously again different sides of the company that isn't immediately obvious whether it's a, a quirk on the label or the spirit or the the ideas that went behind it, what would they be? And you know, something you love, something you point out maybe at a tasting that people don't know. Um, and Darren, I'm gonna, I think I've given you a sufficient 25 seconds to okay. think. Yeah. <laughs> Good, I was hoping well, I think with Ur Distillery being one of, um, one of three now in Dublin, I think the natural water source uh, is something that we're doing slightly different to the, to the others. So bringing whiskey back to Dublin is one thing, but bringing back sort of the traditional old style and almost the old old water source that was available back in the day, uh, you know, where water that has flowed through the Dublin mountains into the crevices of the rocks in below our building in Mill Street, I think bringing that water back to the distillery is, is something that's important to me. The same time as when we work in Bush Mills, it was the water from you know, the River Bush and so on and so forth. So water makes up the most of, of the liquid that we supply. So being it being authentically Dublin, 
authentically from the Dublin mountains and the crevices of the Dublin rocks below Dublin city. I think there's just something so special about that. And then I would love to then use that water at a later date to make ice cubes or add a little bit of water, whatever way you drink your whiskey, <laughs> back in uh, a number of years' time when that whiskey is actually coming out. So dilute your whiskey that the water that we use to make your whiskey with the original water there's something special about that that's that's a uh, pretty fantastic all right yeah. and i mean it's one of the things that people are not going to see that water yeah. pump because it, uh, we we took a stop into your water processing room while while a very fancy room in its own right of the the mechanisms it's definitely not a tourist friendly no, room no, no. Uh, and i suppose uh jeff uh, to put you on the hot seat now um, yeah uh, what uh, what are your thoughts as that giant truck goes by? As the giant truck goes by. Look, if, if you've been listening to this, you know that Daryl's a very good storyteller. And I think Irish whiskey is all about telling stories and good stories at that. The Dubliner represents the city of Dublin. But the Liberties, and if you've seen some of our bottlings, we've got Oak Devil, Copper Alley. We've three new ones to come out. But what people mightn't realise is that these aren't just names taken out of a hat. You know, they all uh, resemble iconic parts of the Liberties area. And that's the one thing that we're trying to maintain, is that this is all about the Liberties. It's not about us, it's about recapturing areas and places. So if you take a walk down Dame Street, you'll see Cop Rally Bistro and the Cop Rally Hotel. And you'll start to see a street that no longer exists that was the connection between the wealthy people of the Pale and the poor people of the Liberties. And, you know, it's recapturing, retelling these stories, adding a bit of history to it as well, which we're lucky to have in the Liberties. Um, Oak Devil sort of stems from that balance between heaven and hell, you know, the Liberty is a pretty rough and ready place back in the 1700s, 1800s, but surrounded by cathedral after cathedral and churches and everything else. So you had the inferal and the celestial and the brands that we continue to bring out will represent different elements and stories. So when you see our bottles on the shelf, we're not just picking these up and, you know, it's not so there isn't There isn't a no, wall. There isn't a wall. Of, yeah, it's not like Hangman or Countdown and we're just making these things up. Uh, Constantly, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's what we'll hope to develop and continue to do. So we'll celebrate Dublin with one brand. We'll, uh, you know, celebrate the Liberties. And of course, with the Dead Rabbit, what we celebrate there is our, you know, American Irish heritage and history. So. And uh, before we uh, sign off, uh, are we going to see any new iterations coming out of the Dead Rabbit or something? Something, any, anything? Because I'm putting you on the spot here with this one. Uh, never anything? say never, but ask the distiller. is always a master distiller. No, the director of Irish whiskey. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That's good. It's the first time we got his title right. Yeah, director, whole director of Irish whiskey. <laughs> I get called many's a thing, yeah. Um, right. On the Dead Rabbit, nothing at the minute. Nothing okay. at the minute, but lots happening on the Dublin Liberties. Okay. Uh, with, the, with the Dead Rabbit only being launched in February, yeah. you know, we're not really ready to, to launch anything. Yeah. When the time's right, of course, we'll work with uh, Sean and Jack to, to get that next uh, special liquid, special yeah. special uh, expression out there. Uh, Dublin Liberties we're working on now purely for the opening of the distillery in the next couple of months. So we have lots and lots and lots of innovation coming through in it. Um, we can share with you maybe in the next couple of months or so. So it's not just one, it's maybe three or four or five, five things coming yeah, out there. Four or five. So uh, I think the Whiskey Live, Dublin check it out, it's going to be there. Pretty Whis special. Live 2018. A little plug to Whiskey Live 2018. <laughs> check out the, the stand. Dust, when the dust settles in 2018, then we'll maybe look at the Dead Rabbit or, yeah. or indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's still such a new Dublin. brand, and that's the great thing that we're still exploring so many different avenues with it. Like we're still launching it into different markets. Yeah. So it was only launched, it was launched into the US and the fifth anniversary of the bar, the Dead Rabbit Bar, Jim Morris, John Morris's birthday, uh, that was back in February. We only launched into Ireland and the UK in April. April. So we're four or five months into this experiment and we're, we're going to launch now in Toronto, I think in November, November. December. Yeah, November, yeah, December. December. Late November. Shout out to our Canadian listeners. Shout out to Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And um, so I suppose if we're going to wrap up, 
Um, guys, if we want to find Dublin Liberties Distilleries or any of your brands online, what should they be checking out? Like, yeah. what should, what's the, what should they be, if they have to have hit one? Me, hit me, no, hit me with the handles, hit me with the main ones, where are we looking, where's the activity, what cool shit are we going to see coming down the line, like, give me a Facebook, Instagram, yeah, well, website, like, whatever you want. Well, look, the one thing is, Dead Rabbit's all about mixology and cocktails, so we've got a website, which is Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey, that has all the specs to all the cocktails that was designed by Gillian Vos, who's the director of drinks in the Dead Rabbit, so if making drinks is more your passion, please check that out, otherwise you can have a look at uh, Dublin Liberty's Whiskey. Uh, that's the Instagram and then we have Dubliner Irish Whiskey as well which is uh, the, the Facebook page so we're spread out across a different, couple of different platforms but um, please give us a look out and yeah you'll find some amazing bits and bobs if you're looking to purchase any of the whiskeys best to do it online Celtic Whiskey um, for the consumers and then Amazon as well I suppose. Amazon's a handy one if you don't live in Ireland I don't, don't, live like, Ireland, I don't yeah, think they yeah. like shipping to Ireland no, no. 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 and uh, I suppose um, guys uh, thank you very much and I suppose anyone who's listening if you've enjoyed this podcast please click subscribe we're now delighted to be on Acast as well as iTunes as well as on potstill.com uh, if you want to reach out to me directly with any questions queries or comments you can find me at potstilled underscore on Twitter or Instagram um, or else you can also email the website directly um, apart from that guys I'll say thank you so much for giving up your time and thank you to the bartenders that didn't know we were going to be doing a podcast from the corner and they gave us a couple of funny looks but they kept us supplied with uh, some lovely uh, dead rabbit whiskey so I'm pretty yeah. happy about that um, well yeah guys say uh, Carmila Magas August uh, can I read that so cheers thank you